Hello guys, it is Wednesday, May 6th. This week on the podcast, due to scheduling constraints, I will not have a guest. I will actually be talking about blockchain and fintech developments here in Medellin, Colombia. There's a rapidly growing fintech community here in Medellin and broadly across Colombia. It's a beautiful city, a beautiful country, and today I just want to do it some justice. So with that said, be sure to subscribe if you have not already and share this episode with somebody that you think would like to learn more about blockchain and in this case, Medellin, Colombia. Enjoy. This is the Blockhash Podcast. Awesome. I think this is I think this is live. So instead of doing an episode uh, with a guest this week, I had some scheduling issues. Um, given the fact that we're you know in this pandemic and things have been kind of crazy, so switching it up a little bit, doing an episode with just your, myself, your truly, and want to talk about some things that are going on in uh, Medellin, Colombia, around blockchain, and you know, kind of how the virus has impacted things, impacted the economy, and how solutions are actually being created in a lot of creative ways by a lot of startups um, and a lot of people in the tech space and specifically in the fintech space. Um, For those of you who aren't familiar that much with Medellin, Colombia, it is a beautiful place to live. Um, If I'm just being honest with you guys, I've never had issues here. Um, You know, at one point in time, it was the murder capital of the world. It was a very dangerous place to be. But you know, decades later, it's one of the fastest growing cities um, in Latin America, one of the safest cities uh, right behind Cartagena and a huge, huge tourist destination for people that are visiting Latin America. So they do very well and they're growing very rapidly. With that comes a lot of change. With that comes a lot of people that you know want to be a part of that. So you see a lot of foreign money come into Medellin. You see a lot of foreign ideas and businesses, and that has really propelled the economy down here. Now, with the pandemic, that has created a lot of um, slowage, if that's even a word, slowage. (laughs) Um, The pandemic has really slowed down the economy in Medellin like it has in all over the world. But for an economy that's really heavily based on tourism, and having a very fast paced, you know, um, economy of people moving back and forth, doing things out outdoors all the time, interacting with each other. It's a city. Um, it's, it's a city just, just like, uh, if you went to LA or New York, it's, um, it needs that and needs that tourism. It needs that activity, it, which it just doesn't have right now. So it's, it's been plagued by this virus. Um, from an economic standpoint, far more than it has from a health standpoint. Um, And honestly, actually, Colombia has done very well in curbing that virus. Um, I believe as of today, there's 7,900 or so cases across Colombia, and there's like 49 million people in Colombia. So those numbers are pretty good. And then there are like 2.4 million people in Medellin, and in all of the province of Antioquia, which includes Medellin, there's only 448 cases as of today. So Colombia is doing very well in terms of, you know, curving this virus, slowing it down, 
and not allowing it to spread and affect people as badly as some other countries have allowed it to. Um, Columbia jumped on this very early, shut down the economy, instituted a lockdown, locked down the international flights, um, and have restricted you know movement in the area for um, for anyone, whether you're a resident or you're a foreigner. So there are um, there are a lot of restrictions. It makes things very difficult, but there's also a lot of innovation that's coming out of this too. Um, like to give you an idea of how difficult it is to move around, like I can only go outside to uh, essential stores once a week. Uh, so like tomorrow, for example, um, depending on my ID, uh, the last digit of my ID, I'm allowed to go out to the store or the exchange or uh, to a bank, an ATM or something that's essential, like everyday essential uh, living expenses, things that you need you know, to live and survive. So tomorrow, I believe the numbers are six and seven. Um, last digit on my ID does happen to be a seven. So I would be able to go out tomorrow and, and do things that I need to do. Other than that, you're not allowed to go out. Um, if you go out other than, you know, specified day of the week, um, you can get quite a hefty fine. If you keep repeating it, repeating the offense, you will eventually, you know, probably get arrested. Um, and as a foreigner, you don't want to cause that much trouble, um, especially when you're someone like myself that's trying to get a visa down here. Um, don't want to cause any problems. But in terms of how Colombia is handling this, um, they're on par with you know, how South Korea is handling this. Colombia, uh, based on, you know, tests, about six and a half percent or so come out positive for coronavirus, which is fairly low. And South Korea is, has one of the lowest at like one and a half percent positive percentage rate, you know, for tests that are administered. And South Korea and Colombia have about the same population, about 49 to 15 million people, and they're roughly the same size. Um, in some respects. So Colombia is handling this like a world-class, you know, first world country like South Korea. Um, that should give you another idea of, you know, how well developed and organized they've handled things and they have grown over the years. So there is a lot to look forward to with, with Colombia outside of this pandemic. But I mean, the way they're handling the pandemic shows you that, you know, they're doing things right compared to many other countries in the world that, that are not. And sometimes it's beneficial to be a smaller country. You know, if you're a large country, you have tons of bureaucratic issues and hurdles and hoops to jump through to get things done. You know, you saw that with the U.S. and, you know, not having enough testing kits, not having enough masks or a depot or supply of this stuff ready to go in case of an emergency. So um, a lot of big first world countries like the US, like in Europe and some places in Asia too, just not handling this right. Whereas smaller countries are more apt to do that. And Colombia has done that very well. Um, it, there has been a lot of, you know, stuff going on to get around the pandemic. There's been a lot of innovation. Um, so let me give you an example. So like there's a delivery service in Colombia called Rappi. Uh, Rappi is a lot like uh, Postmates or Uber Eats or DoorDash or Grubhub, like in the U.S., where you know you want to stay at home and have food delivered to you, or have something delivered to you, or someone go to the store and get your groceries for you. 
Um, that service is offered in Columbia too, but through a different company called Rappi. Um, and Rappi has been doing very well the last few years and is doing pretty well in the state of the pandemic here too, because people are stuck at home. They can't really go anywhere. And they're, when they are limited to go, able to go somewhere, they're very limited in where they can go and how long they can be out. So Rappi has been a huge benefit to the people here in Columbia. Um, and one of the things Rappi has done is they partnered with a company called KiwiBot. And in the Poblado area where, where I'm at in Medellin, they are using robots to deliver food and supplies uh, that you order through Rappi. So instead of having a Rappi delivery guy or gal show up with that um, with your groceries from Karuja or show up with your, you know, that pizza you ordered, um, they, they use a robot instead, or they're at least doing a pilot program. So in Poblado, you'll see all these little robots going around. I think that statistically they were doing like 120 deliveries a day with uh, the Kiwi bots, which is really cool. And I think they're going to extend that out to July. So if the, it ends up working really well and, you know, the, they keep seeing progress in that, I think they said they were going to roll that out to the rest of Columbia. So, you know, given the pandemic, it doesn't mean innovation stops. It doesn't mean that you stop developing and, you know, creating different things. In fact, if you're at home, I mean, you're a developer and you're stuck at home, you have more time to work, um, which is another good thing for the blockchain industry and is why we're seeing so much get done in blockchains because you're forced to stay home. If you're a developer, um, you know, in computer science and you, you understand code and you're, you're building on these blockchains and you're building different apps, you're building different solutions, um, you know, you're when you're at home, you're forced to work on that stuff because all you really need is a computer in your brain. Um, and, but you're seeing that innovation, you know, across tech and in a lot of different ways to come up with solutions for this pandemic. And this, I mean, it's great for Rappi. I'm all, it's awesome to see a company innovating like that. Um, and also awesome to see that solution in Colombia and instead of seeing it in Silicon Valley or in somewhere else in the U.S., you know, having that innovation um, and that push to solve an issue here in, in, in Medellin is, is really cool. Um, and it really speaks to the, the growing tech culture here that they want to bring. Um, and you know, speaking of trying to bring that here, um, I think it was November of last year, November of 2019, uh, the Organization for Economic Cooperation Development, um, they were recommending and urging the national government here in Colombia to actually boost the fintech industry in Colombia. Um, you know, by providing more financing, by providing more regulatory flexibility um, to allow startups to, you know, grow and flourish and, you know, get the support that they need. So, I mean, there is a huge push. You know, most most of the um, individuals in government here in, in Colombia, including locally and like the mayor of, of Medellin, they're all very... Um, they're proponents for, for blockchain and crypto and fintech. They see the benefit um, beyond just the cryptocurrency side of it. They see the benefit of how blockchain can solve a lot of the government issues they have, solve a lot of the poverty issues they have, um, you know, creating digital identities, uh, putting uh, decentralized voting into effect, um, enhancing supply chain. There's a lot of different applications. So they really want that here. It's, it's good for the development in Colombia. And uh, they've already started 
uh, with different types of financing programs and grants, one of them called Sophistica, um, you know, that I've been looking at that Blockhash has been looking at to, um, you know, grow the, the token economy here in Colombia. because we want to help tokenize a lot of the businesses in Medellin and in Poblado and Jairus Park, um, you know, that are big tourist destinations, you know, not just allow um, them to accept Bitcoin or something like that um, for tourists, but I mean, also to integrate and build something on blockchain, like a token, like an ERC-20, ERC-721, um, you know, maybe, for example, as a loyalty program to customers or as a uh, social money uh, for the community where they can use at, you know, different retail stores, uh, maybe something for the malls, maybe something promotional, um, you know, that generates a lot of excitement. It's cool. It's new. It's something that um, is also highly marketable. And, um, you know, people like trying new stuff. People like saving money and people like free stuff. Um, so I think there's a lot of cool applications with that, you know, Blockhash. Um, we've been pushing that and exploring the Sophistica program where they will, you know, if you submit a business plan, uh, you know, this is not just for us. Like if you're in Columbia and Medellin, if you have a startup in tech, it doesn't have to be blockchain, although they do outline blockchain as something they want to push and fund. You know, if you submit a business plan uh, to the program for Sophistica and they do it like every single year, um, I believe starting in 2019, but for 2020, you have this year to, you know, submit a business plan for what your tech initiative is. And, you know, if they like it and, you know, it's thorough and you can put together maybe some tests or some pilots, they will fund it. Um, you know, in some cases, I've heard they funded up to like quarter million dollars. Um, they so <laughs> that tells you that they're willing to spend the money and invest in you as a company to, you know, create um, more of a tech community and a tech presence here in Colombia, especially in Medellin, where there's that huge tourist demand. So and that's just one example of things that they're doing. Um, another is uh, there's a huge play on coffee. <laughs> Obviously, you know, Columbia pronunciation so often in this space, um, especially when they're Latin startups. But um, anyways, I think uh, they have over 9,000 coffee farmers in Colombia and across Latin America that are already integrated with what they're doing. Um, and they're actually, they founded, I think, uh, in Medellin, if that tells you something again, Medellin is a growing place for people to you know, start up a tech business. Um, and it's also a great lifestyle too. I'll talk about lifestyle in a minute. But if you, they're also, what they're trying to do is they're trying to lock in coffee prices for farmers, um, you know, that are cranking out all these um, unrefined coffee beans. And, you know, they don't always get the best price. You know, they don't always get the fairest um, value for, you know, their product. So what they do is, you know, they have this platform through an app with Ifinka, um, you know, that locks in, records the price on the blockchain um, for that specific farmer um, based on what they're providing, the quality, the type. Um, and then that information can be used for anyone else that, you know, wants to, to buy the coffee beans from the farmer. Um, that way, the farmer has this locked in, solidified on the blockchain, and he, you know he or she can take that to you know the to the buyer, whether that be the um, eventual supplier or the 
local coffee shop or you know wherever it is in in the supply chain whoever's actually you know jumping in and buying it um, this creates a you know it's a great solution for anyone in the supply chain but this is a good use case for you know coffee um, and you know I'm expecting them to grow quite a bit since coffee is very popular in Colombia and across Latin America but this use cases like this are good because they prove how blockchain can work you know and this is the kind of stuff that will be taking taken to you know the government level as examples as pilots um, as use cases that work for blockchain for crypto and you know will not just spark ideas but will spark legislation and that's like the ultimate goal we want good positive legislation that makes it easier to get funding and financing for fintech that makes it easier to develop with less regulations less hurdles to jump through so you don't have to think and worry so much but you can just develop so i mean that's just another example of something that's going on in colombia i mean i've also been in contact with manticore capital for quite a while um, they're great they run a trading desk so i mean if you want to buy or sell bitcoin um, back and forth with pesos um, they, they have a they have a great option you just go out to uh, monterey uh, mall centro centro comercial Monterey, uh, uh, just north of poblado and this big tech mall and everything's super cool you go to the very top they have an office up there you can you know they, they actually they sell i believe uh ledger devices uh they were selling the pundi pos system for a while so they have a bunch of cool like tech up there um that you can get your hands on you know if you're small business or if you're just a average joe or jane trying to uh, story of crypto, but uh, the highlight is their trading desk. And you know what's great about you know, Medellin, uh, you know Latin America in general, is the use of WhatsApp. So that's a, a lot of business is done through WhatsApp. Like if I want something, I can WhatsApp the business directly, give them my address, they can deliver it to me in you know relatively quick turnaround, twenty minutes, thirty minutes, um, you know, and. It's, it feels like Amazon, but like on WhatsApp. And then I can pay in cash if I want to. I can pay with card through their website. I prefer to pay with cash. It's a little bit easier that way. Um, that way, no one, I don't risk someone stealing my card info. But yeah, it's, it's really cool being able to use WhatsApp like that. But I mean, same thing with Manticore. So I can WhatsApp them and say, hey, I have $1,000 in Bitcoin I want to sell for pesos. They'd say, okay, they'd give me the address. I'd send them the Bitcoin uh, to that address. And then I would just, you know, take a $2 Uber down, go pick it up and you're good. Um, vice versa. You can buy that way too. You can just, you know, head down there, give them your pesos. They'll give you the Bitcoin. Um, you know, it all kind of depends on the rate. Uh, sometimes uh, their rates are, you know, up and down. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're bad, but they're no worse than using like an ATM. Um and there are a lot of Bitcoin uh, slash crypto ATMs in Medellin. Um, the cool thing is some of them are 24-7 and they're fairly accessible. Some of them are in the malls like Monterey, Santa Fe. I believe Tesoro has one. Um, and then there's a bunch of others scattered in different areas. Uh, a lot of them are Athena ATMs. Um, and they're cool because you don't have to just buy or sell Bitcoin through them. You can uh, buy or sell Ethereum or Litecoin or Dash. Uh, they have different options. So that's that's pretty sweet. Um, they do have you know, harder limits though on buys and sells, especially if you're selling your, your crypto through one of those ATMs for pesos. 
Um, you can't do massive amounts, obviously, but um, it is fairly efficient. Like if you're out and shopping and you want to spend some Bitcoin and buy some clothes, uh, buy an ice cream cone, you know, go get a drink at the bar. Um, yeah, it's, it's very, very simple to, you know, sell some Bitcoin, and get some pesos at one of those ATMs or, you know, or let alone just buy some Bitcoin through them. So if you're in Colombia, if you're in Medellin specifically, um, there are some places that just, you know, straight up accept Bitcoin. And, you know, that's great. Um, I'm seeing that a lot more. It's very popular. People here in Medellin want that option. Um, you know, there's, you know, there's corruption issues here and government, just like in the US or anywhere else and banking issues, just like anywhere else. So I don't blame them for any of it. But uh, the people here are definitely very sick of it. And they they want that alternative. Um, and Bitcoin's a great alternative. So you you will see them accept Bitcoin. Um, and in some cases, you will also see them very um, open to, you know, implementing that stuff, too. So that's another thing that we're working at with Blockhash, trying to get some of that implemented here in Poblado, in Medellin. Um, but, you know, if you're coming here, um, that is an option. You know, you'll also see those ATMs. You'll see that Manticore is available. There's a few other startups that are fairly new um, that are doing similar things in Medellin. All you got to do is Google them. So, you know, if you come here, you're going to see that. You're going to see that fintech is, you know, growing fairly well. And I expect it to keep growing, too, in the future. I think we're going to get legislation pretty soon. Once that legislation comes out, we're likely to see, you know, the banks be a little bit more friendly to working with it. Because one of the hardest things compared to, like, the U.S., where you can use Coinbase to just buy or sell directly with a bank account, Um you know, you can't do that here yet, at least, you know, the banks are very hesitant um, when you bring that kind of stuff up yet on the other side of the coin, government really wants it. So if the government can put out legislation soon in 2020, 2021, 2022, I really don't know. But by the time they pass something that'll, you know, help encourage the banks or maybe even, you know, you know force the banks to start looking at those as options, because it would be nice <laughs> You know, to have an exchange or a company, you know, similar to Coinbase, maybe similar to BitPay, um, you know, that you can use in Medellin, in Colombia, maybe broadly across Latin America at some point, where all you need to do is link a bank account, you know, for withdrawals, um, you know, or have some kind of off ramp. So when people do sell, they can get to pesos, um, you know, and then, you know, increasing the the on-ramps too, you know, being able to use a credit or debit card more, uh, more widely, which you can still do here, um, especially with exchanges that aren't local, like, uh, like Changely or Shapeshift. They do offer great solutions for that uh, without having to go through the craziness of a crypto account <laughs> and doing too much verification. It's, it's a nice solution too, but it's all about the off-ramp here. I mean, people want crypto badly, but they can't get it back to pesos very quickly. Your two options are Manticore Capital and the ATMs. And the ATMs don't handle the volume well. Um, you know, Manticore is one one small you know startup here in Colombia, so you can't put all that on them. Um, what was I going to say? Um, in terms of you know lifestyle here in Medellin, here in Colombia, it's, it's quite awesome. Uh, you got, you know, 
365 days of the year, you got the same weather, the same climate. Um, you know, it's the nickname for Medellin is a city of eternal spring for a reason. <laughs> um, it's always sunny. Um, every once in a while, you get some crazy thunderstorms. I think Medellin is the number one city in the world or up there for lightning storms on record. So you will see it. But, you know, it's like clockwork here. So it'll be nice and sunny the entire day. Then five o'clock comes around. There's a thunderstorm for about an hour or so. Sometimes it rains, goes away, and then you have a beautiful night. <laughs> it's it's really weird. Some some points in the year, you get a few more thunderstorms, a little crazier than normal. That's about it. And, you know, the temperature is relatively stable. You know, it can get as low as 65 or 70 in the evening, nice and cool. And then, then the day gets up 85, 90, uh, something like that. Um, sometimes a little warmer, but that's about it. So it's, you know, very tropical, very nice. Um, you know, food is super cheap. Transportation, super cheap housing. Um, you know, they just slashed housing, uh, by like 50% in a lot of, uh, a lot of platforms, especially Airbnb because no one can travel during the pandemic. So if you are here and you can lock something up, um, you should do it. There's, there's a lot of great deals going on. And even if you're abroad and you want to come to Medellin, I pay very close attention because as soon as the international flights open up, it's a great time to come here because you're going to save a lot more money. You know, and the peso is also doing pretty bad <laughs> against the US dollar uh, for, you know, economic reasons because of oil and stuff like that, since Colombia is a huge exporter for oil and they, they're it's heavily and, um, you know, the, their GDP demands heavily, depends heavily on um on oil exports so you know with that craziness in the world that's also hurt the peso um which makes the dollar go farther which makes some other uh, currency pairs go farther here in colombia so um i would say that if you're here in medellin or you're coming here to medellin you'd want to hold some of that you know fiat currency um outside the peso a little bit um so you can take advantage of that swing that's happening right now but I mean, other than that, there's no like societal issues. I mean, it's, it's very safe, very organized. Um, again, food is super cheap. Transportation, like <laughs> Uber or Didi or something like that. It's like a dollar, two dollars to, to go like 10 minutes down the street, 20 minutes to the next mall. Like it doesn't cost anything. Uh, you save a lot of money here. Um, and, you know, that is great if you're a startup and you're trying to save money and you're trying to focus on your work, especially in fintech and blockchain. You can have a great lifestyle, um, you know, down here working on that kind of stuff. And you can stay here for an extended period of time, up to six months every single year. We can extend your tourist visa, at least as a U.S. citizen. Um, you know, if you're starting a business, it's very easy to get a, a visa, uh, like a V visa. I think that's what it's called for another six months. Um, you, you know, you, there's a lot of things you can do to kind of game the system to, you know, hang out here a lot longer, especially as a U.S. citizen. So I, there's no reason to not be down here, in my opinion. If you're young, if you are in fintech or tech in general, and, you know, you want that clarity and you want to live somewhere that's relatively awesome, feels like a first world country, but is also incredibly affordable, this is the place to be. Um, like I can't, I can't say much more about it. I mean, it's, it's pretty awesome. Um, anyways, that is my little spiel for today. I will 
definitely be having more guests on like usual just this week there were logistical issues so i couldn't um you know the pandemic creates a lot of you know conflicts with schedules you know everyone's at home still like you'd think people are more available but everyone's juggling a bunch of stuff trying to figure out their daily lives and whatnot so um you know that can kind of ruin uh plans and stuff like that but i have some authors that are looking to come on so there's CEOs and founders that you know excited to eventually be on the podcast. Some of them very well known in the crypto space. So stay tuned. Um, I promise there'll be some great guests on soon. Um, you know, and every once in a while I'll probably do something like this too and kind of space it out a little bit. Um, you know, and if the guests you know start being more frequent, you know, maybe uh, the Blockhash podcast will do two episodes a week. Who knows? Um, might bump those numbers up. It all kind of depends on, you know, how the schedule gets laid out. But as always, every single Wednesday, there will be an episode, no matter what, every single Wednesday, whether it's with a guest or with myself, with some, you know, new content, share with you guys, new insight, um, always will have that. Um, any other updates? I don't think there's any other updates. Anyways, Thank you guys for listening. If you know you were on YouTube for this for live, thank you guys for watching. Feel free to, um, you know, share your thoughts in the comments. You know, anything that you'd like me to talk about again in the future, anything you'd like me to elaborate on, more than happy to do that. Um, all right, peace.